Hello, amazing parents and caretakers, and welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm your family empowerment coach, Celia Kibler. I'm a mom of a blended family of five kids. I'm a grandma of nine kids, an author, a teacher, a speaker, and a consultant with over 40 years of training and real-life parenting experience. I'm here to offer you practical, doable tips, strategies, and techniques that will pump up your parenting skills and create peace, love, and laughter throughout your family. In addition, I'll be interviewing some great humans that are on a mission to make your life a better, happier, and healthier life. So let's not waste any time and get started with the next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another great episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I am thrilled to bring to you my friend, George Grumbacher. He is going to talk everything money, guys. Today is money podcast, and it's all about you and how you can really work with your money so that you live the life you want to live. George is a financial advisor. He's the podcast host of the Lifeblood podcast, and he has had a lifetime of really winning awards and making people's relationship to money work in their favor. I know I've needed this my whole life, so I'm excited that you're here to talk to us about all of this. So welcome, George. Well, thank you. I'm extremely excited to be here with you. Yay. I love it. I love talking money. Actually, I only love talking money to people that know what they're talking about. (laughs) So first question I'd like to ask you is about mindset. There is this mindset about money. And for parents, especially if you have a very negative mindset about money, um, or, you know, this thought pattern about money, that's what's going to go to your kids. And, you know, I remember when my dad uh, one time got out of a job, lived in New York, and he got robbed immediately after cashing his check. And he always told us, don't carry cash, use credit cards. Don't carry cash, don't use credit cards. And all four of us got in trouble with credit cards because (laughs) we were like, just use credit cards. So the message was good, well-intended, but not so great in our favor. So can you talk a little bit about mindset and your people's relationship with this overwhelming thing called money. Yeah. What a, what an awful thing to have happened to your dad. And then what an awful thing to have happened to you and, and, and your siblings. It's such a real thing, right? That especially as a parent, fundamentally, the last thing I want to do is screw up my kids. That's like, that, that, that's like, it. it's like, I obviously I want to keep them alive, but then I don't want to screw them up. And people are so bad at money. Um, what, what can I be doing to do a, a good job or a passable job just so I don't pass on these, these, these negative beliefs and thoughts about money. And, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, if, if you were to enter into your uh, favorite search engine, um, you know, overcoming um, negative thinking or just, just 
thinking in general, it's it's all going to be about neg- it's it's all going to be about overcoming negative thinking, right? It's not like I have uh, great beliefs that, that I'm working to overcome, and so we 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 all have some kind of negative or limiting belief about money. I know that uh, when I was growing up, money was scarce, and there was literally one day a month that my mom would pay bills, and so that Sunday afternoon, my brother and I would essentially hide because she'd have bills spread out all over the kitchen table, and it was just extremely stressful. And so that caused me to avoid a lot of money behaviors. It caused me to never budget into my 20s. I still hate budgeting. My wife does ours. I certainly recognize the value of it today. But it caused me to avoid um, just really thinking about money, even though I've been a financial advisor my entire life. And so recognizing that and sort of tracing that back to that experience um, really helped me a lot. It helped me in so many different aspects of my life. So yes, Figuring out what your fundamental core beliefs are about money, and and because we all have them, once you figure that out, that's going to help you to be more mindful about. Okay, I guess that's why I'm interacting with this way, or that's why I'm embarrassed or ashamed to talk about it, so I never do, or that's why I'm perfectly comfortable talking about it. Right? If my family had money, well, then we probably interact differently than if we were broke if we had a bad experience, if we had great experiences, do I think the people that have money are good or bad? Do I think the money is good or bad? So yes, figuring that out and going through, there's a lot of exercises out there um, is extremely valuable. And especially once you have kids, because maybe you don't want to pass along whatever beliefs you have. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, uh, such a key part of parenting is being that role model, that person that you want your kids to be. And now I'm pumped up parenting. My tagline is because we're raising adults, not children. Mm. And what we do, what we teach them, what seeds we plant is the kind of adult they grow up to be. And that could be good or bad. Hopefully we produce wonderful adults, hopefully with the work that you do, the work I do, we really create a generation that's productive and confident and self-reliant and happy, happy. We want happy people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so is it ever too late? Is it ever too late to really turn around your financial situation? Well, I think that there's a couple of different ways to look at that. Um, and the answer, I think it's probably not a popular one, but yeah, at some point, if you're 75 years old and you don't have any money saved and now you need to stop working because you physically can't work anymore and you don't have any money, then you might be in big trouble. But I, I was just doing this research this morning and 125 million Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which means they're not necessarily essentially broke, but pretty close where they wouldn't be able to, able to absorb any kind of bad financial thing. Um, so is it too late? Well, no, not necessarily somebody who's working. In, 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 in the context of being a good parent and teaching your kids about money, I mean, it's never too late because odds are that all those people, 125 million or so, got through a lot of their education and their formative years without great money habits or and or they were never taught or they never absorbed it. Either way, they're not practicing good money habits. So it's certainly not too late for them. And if, if you're a parent and you're thinking, oh, my kid's 15, is, is it already too late? Well, no, it's absolutely not too late. Even if they're 18 years old, it's still a time to be talking about that. 
and I don't want to ramble on, but I think that it is the responsibility of, of you and I and parents to be the ones who take ownership of teaching your kids about money. Because even if there is a curriculum in schools, that doesn't mean your kid's going to you know, actually learn it and then be able to apply it because there's a lot of stuff that I was taught in school that I have absolutely no recollection of and it's not useful to me, like most of it. So I, I think it's important for parents to sit down and be honest with their kids about like living expenses. What does it cost to live? Electricity is not free. Water is not free. These things that we just take for granted in life cost money and you have to have this money to pay for it or it's no longer there. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about sharing? You talked about your mom and her, you know, the Dale, the Sunday bill pay and how you came out of that. Can you talk a little bit about the honesty of sharing your budget with your children, showing them this is what comes home every month. This is what we make. Do you think that's a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that, that first and foremost, you want to sort of take a step back and recognize that, that in my household, we never talked about money, so we avoided it. So that wasn't good. So simply being intentional, which is such a big part of parenting and just being good at life in general is to say, okay, we are going to have conversations around money. And I do recognize that a really important skill that a kid should have is to recognize that it does not grow on trees, that it comes from somewhere, that it's not this infinite, always sustaining, replenishing thing. So where does this thing come from? And this stuff that, that, that this house we're sitting in, the electricity, yes, that also costs money. And we can just pretend and, 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 and go through life and be bad at it, or we can talk about it as a family. Now, you talk probably way more about this than I do, but being able to be vulnerable with your kids, I imagine that's probably a tricky thing for a lot of people, and it will be for me. My kids are four and two, so even if I were with them now, it's not really sinking in, uh, but letting them know, hey, you know what? Money is a, a, a difficult thing. Sometimes we have too much. Well, sometimes we have a lot. Sometimes we don't have quite enough, but I want you to understand all the different expenses and the things that the lights and the food cost. So you can have a better understanding of, of, of how it all works. Um, so I think it's, it's immensely valuable. Um, I don't know that you necessarily need to go through your income as a parent, if that's not something you're comfortable with, but certainly just talking about groceries and household expenses and say, here's how much it costs. Here's how much we have dedicated to uh, food. And then going through the exercise of going through the budget and then figuring out how much it costs and matching that up, extremely valuable. Yeah, I agree. And you know, just helping kids understand that every month we plan for this amount to go to the electric bill. The electric bill costs usually $150, maybe more or less, but we plan for this amount to go through the electric bill. And then we have some left over that can go to something else or our savings and encourage children to even create a savings. I always say that um, a, an allowance should not really be tied to chores. It should be to help kids learn what to do with money. And 
the various categories. You have a charity category, you have a savings category, you have an immediate need category. Teenagers may have more of an immediate need, uh, but you know they go into these categories so you can help your kids learn. And then I love creating like an above and beyond list or a uh, earn it, don't burn it list where it's things that they can do above and beyond their household responsibilities, like raking the leaves or washing the car that can earn them extra money. So they get that earning idea when, you know, before they get a job. And, and then of course, that's a whole nother ball game. So how do you help people? I know you have the podcast, the Lifeblood podcast. How do you help people other than that? You know, they just listen to the podcast. What do you do specifically to help people develop a financial growth mindset instead of scarcity. Yeah, well I certainly appreciate I I if you don't mind, I'd li- love to circle back on the on the allowance and, and, oh, and the extra back. jobs and stuff like that. And I, I think, you know, whether you want to call it an allowance, I'm fond of calling it a salary. And the kids are given their salary on a weekly basis. It's it's tied to them doing certain things around the house. So we may not be reading from the church, same church music there necessarily, but I'll just sort of tell you sort of the way that, 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 that I approach it. Um, I'm just not giving them money because they live in the house. You're, 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 you're not getting money just for being here. Um, you are doing certain activities like cleaning your room and setting the table and clearing the plates, stuff that a four-year-old can do. And there James gets $5 a week and $2 of it goes to spending. So that's the immediate money that you're talking about. $2 goes to saving. So long-term savings goals or just goals that are some kind of a goal, not necessarily for college, but uh, you, you don't just get to, get to go and, and, and blow the money on candy like you can the spend jar. And then $1 of it is give. And so 20%, it, it, it's in 20, 20% increments. So $2 for saving, $2 for spending and $1 for giving. And uh, then there's a job board as well. So if he wants to earn extra money, it's, you know, well, we need to wash the cars or we need to pull weeds, whatever it might be. So there's other opportunities. So if he says, I really want to buy this thing and it costs, you know, $15 and I have $10, is there a way that I can earn that money? Well, absolutely. I'm interested in him being industrious. And so I will create enough jobs if he wants to keep doing them and doing them correctly and well, that he'll be able to earn that, that uh, extra money. Uh, but if he doesn't do his jobs, if he's not making his bed or whatever it might be, then he's not going to get the money. Um, but I think that that's a, a pretty simple thing, pretty easy way to do it, uh, to start teaching your kids about money. And um, I started James at, at four. And uh, I'm proud to say that that the give jar lives in my room because he doesn't get it at all. He's not <laughs> understanding the give part. <laughs> and it's full of money. And that's that, that's probably very irritating to him. But um, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a game of perfect by a stretch of the imagination, but again, just exactly. trying to be intentional about it. So, um, I don't know if you have comments on that or. Oh, I, I love it. I love that idea. And I love the idea of calling it a salary. I think that's, that's genius. Um, and you can also find the gift jar. There are opportunities to find charities or organizations that your children may relate to you know there's a possibility that you're you want to teach your children that all about gratitude and and 
how grateful we are that we live in a home. We have a place to live and there are people that don't. And maybe there's a shelter or something like that, that where children live, a homeless shelter where children live. And, and that could be something that you then say, you know what, you can give five dollars, you know, clearly it does not have to be a hundred dollars, but that could be something that your give jar, the money in there goes to, and you can help out somebody else. I, when my grandchildren lived with me and when my kids were younger, I used to take them around. And whenever we'd see a homeless person sitting by the side of the road, we would talk about, it. I always have water in my car and food that we could give them. Uh, I still have that. It's not like I don't have that anymore. And, but I also talked about, you know, that you could go buy something and give it to them. Some people just give them money, but it's a whole understanding that here is somebody who lives every day without, and you live every day with, and there's a lot you have and, and talk about that gratitude so that they learn to appreciate all these pluses in their life. And there are a lot of pluses. I, I'm a huge believer of the glass is half full, not half empty. And whatever I go through in life, I know there's someone with a much stronger challenge than what I'm possibly dealing with. So that's always a great opportunity to help your kids. Their work ethic is also built from you appreciating the hard work they put into something and not the outcome. So when they want to raise money, you're encouraging that hard work as well. I think everything you said is so so spot on, and that's. And I, I live in Arizona, and we have um, a lot of people who are, for lack of a better term, panhandling at intersections. And so that's been an opportunity to say, you know, Daddy, what is that person doing? And then to be able to have that sort of real time learning conversation about everything you've just been talking about. So that was really, um, just to be honest, sort of a helpful thing. To, to be able to, to demonstrate and articulate that, hey, we are all very fortunate to, to your point, so. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think the other problem with a lot of people is you had mentioned it earlier, is the way they see people with money. You know, we all see people without money and homeless people and we feel very badly for them, hopefully we feel badly, but some of them choose that lifestyle too. There are many people that choose to be homeless and uh, that don't accept the help that the world wants to give them. And you're like, oh, we want you to do this, but they don't want to. So there's still freedom of choice there, whether it's something we agree with or not. But a lot of people see people with money as evil. And is that true? So how do you approach that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I, I, I think very, very negative and a very, very bad thing for, for society in general. Um, but that, that, that certainly is a, a very real thing. In terms of, um, I don't know that, uh, that, that I have a good answer to tackle that one other than just to be mindful of the way that I'm talking about money in front of in front of my kids, and again to sort of revisit what what do I really believe about money and and about people with money and about the system and is it rigged against me? Am I a victim? Is there a way that I'm going to be financially successful? Is my future going to be better than my past? 
those are really fundamental questions that I think you need to ask yourself. And if the answer is that, yes, I do believe it's rigged against me. Yes, I do believe, or no, I don't think that my future is going to be better than my past. Well, that suggests to me that you have some issues and some bad or some negative experiences in your past that you could probably do to address and unpack. Being able to understand and teach kids about that there is immense value and dignity in labor and hard work is to me extremely important. Um, we talked a little bit about talking to your kids about a household budget. When James, um, the first thing that we ever bought with the save jar was this uh, styrofoam glider. We saw some kids at a park throwing it around. And he's like, I really want that. And so we went on everybody's favorite, favorite, favorite website and found it for, I think it was like 14 bucks. I said, okay, James, you have $8. I printed out a picture of it. We said, this costs $14. Here's how long it's going to take for you to be able to earn that or to save. And he still has it. And we probably had that for now over a year and it's still one of his favorite toys. And I think it's not simply because it's a great toy. It's because he earned it and he worked towards it and he waited uh, so we delayed gratification on that. Uh, and those are really, if I think about some of the key lessons that you want to teach kids, it's that there's a difference between a want versus a need. Uh, there's value in work, that money does not grow on trees, and that as a parent, we need to make sure that our kids are able to wait for things. You're certainly aware of the famous marshmallow test, and that's really what I'm getting at. Absolutely. And it's funny because in my Tranquility Tribe, today where I, I do a training every week. I just did a whole training on delayed gratification versus instant gratification. And it, it's so important to teach kids that especially possessions, they respect it so much more when they have earned it. My, I talk a lot about my son who is a video gamer and he's been a video gamer since birth. And <laughs> he wasn't allowed to just play video games 24 hours a day. He had life, you know, school, going outside, doing other things and, you know, fitting video games a half hour, an hour into his day. But he grew up to get a degree in video gaming. He went to work for one of the top video game companies. He met his wife there, who's also like a duplicate female version of him. They're very happy. They live in their little video game world. But I never trashed it. But when he was growing up, his world was, he loved video games. We never bought him one console. We would buy him games. He was always responsible. And this is from the time he was little. I remember his like seventh, eighth and ninth birthday party was four video consoles set up so all the kids could game. I owned Moon Bounces because I have a kid's fitness company. There was a Moon Bounce in the backyard and cake and ice cream. But all those consoles, he saved his money and bought. I never bought him Nice. one console and they're expensive and he had to do jobs and do whatever he needed. He, he would ask, you know, when it was his birthday or holidays, he would ask for gift cards and money and stuff like that, but he appreciated them. You know, it was his investment to decide that's what I want to do with my money. And it really, you know, with driving can be a whole nother topic, but that's, it's important mm -hmm that kids have responsibility for what they want, what they possess, what they do, and ultimately what they earn. Yeah, well said, well said. 
And those councils probably lasted a really long time versus a council that if you had given it to him, then that maybe would have, would have gotten broker broken a little bit quicker. So exactly. They, they always respect something that they've earned. And that's not just give it like, I talk about presents at holidays and these parents or relatives that give children like 12 presents for Christmas and then they get 12 presents and this one gives 12 they have so many presents they are they don't even appreciate any of them because they don't even know what they have there's so much there's too much and when you give a child an opportunity to earn what he wants then he has a little blood in the game and he's you know, he knows that I worked hard for this thing. I'm taking care of it as yeah. opposed to just give, 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 which teaches them nothing but to basically, you know, um, be totally whatever that word is that I can't think of right now. An entitled spoiled brat. Entitled. Thank you. That entitled <laughs> spoiled brat. That was excellent. And if there's exactly one thing I definitely I don't want, think of. and it's the opposite <laughs> thing I want is some entitled little brat running around. Uh, exactly. that I'm responsible for. That's where we develop the whole narcissistic attitude of the world revolves around me. Toddlers are born with the world revolves around me because it does. Our job is to teach them, you know what, you're part of a bigger picture. You're part of a bigger thing here than just you. And uh, absolutely. And if you don't do it, that is what they grow up to be. Yep. So we don't want that. And you failed as a parent and you are voted off the island. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, parents will always say, well, I want them to be happy. Mm. But that's not realistic. If you make your child consistently happy all the time, everything, they get their way, they get what they want constantly. They will grow up to be miserable adults. Because in life, we don't always get our way and they're not going to get their way. And then what they're going to, what are they going to do? They're going to drink themselves. They're going to take drugs. They're going to commit suicide. They're going to do something horrible because they don't know how to deal with that. It's just such a, I think such a fundamental thing right there. So, and again, it, going back, you know, I, th I think that we all know people who probably grew up poor without enough money. And so they are overcompensating with their kids and going the opposite direction and lavishing them with crap and junk that they don't need and they probably don't even want and you know i, I sort of i i don't not understand the psychology behind it or whatever the reasoning behind that is but you know it's not doing anybody any favors so certainly not exactly. the child that guilt thing whatever you're feeling guilty about make sure you're not ruining your child in the meantime because it's it's there's so many things that we as parents feel guilty about and then, like you say, we overcompensate and who really comes out on the bad end is your child. You're not doing them any favors. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hard to admit that finances, that you're just playing not good at, good at it. I, I'm the first to admit, I'm not good at money. Never been good at money. I, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm good at five-year-olds. I'm really good with five-year-olds. <laughs> I'm good at children. I'm really great at being an old child. I'm really good at that. I'm not good with money. I've never been good with money. You have to admit that you're not great at everything. And if you're not great at everything, there are people to reach out to. 
George, he's great at money. Me, I'm great at kids and parenting. So get help because that's a sign of strength and a sign of wisdom. It's really, you really are wiser if you get educated on what you're not so good at. What are some of the ways that people can get help from you? I know you have an academy. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what it does? Yeah, certainly. So I've been a financial advisor for 20 years. And specifically, I help companies with 401k plans. And I do that because it gives me the opportunity to, to work with all the people who are inside of the 401k plan. So it gives me the opportunity to, to help the employees of these companies to get better at money. And that's sort of my little tagline is get better at money so you can live how you want. And if you want to, if that means you want to become an expert with finance and you want to become a trader and, and learn everything about Bitcoin, well, then that's awesome. Let's, let's figure out how to do that. If on the other hand, you're like the majority of Americans that just want to make sure that you're doing the right things and not screwing things up and that you're on the right track, well, that's, 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 I'm interested in helping you with that as well. So wherever you're at, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm always very honest with people that I've made just a ton of really terrible financial decisions over the course of my life and a ton of really good ones. So I'm interested in helping people wherever they're at, get to where they want to go. So you ask, is it ever too late? And it, no, it, it, it's not necessarily ever too late. Um, but so that that is what my work is designed to do, is to help people figure out their past history with money. It was, it was good. It was bad. You have pain here. You've got good things there. Figure out where you're at, your, your, your level of know-how. Do you keep a budget? Do you understand your cash flow? Do you understand mutual funds, how your 401k work plan works? What gaps are there? And to figure out where it is you want to go. And then it's pretty simple. It's like, okay, I'm right here. I want to go over there. How do we close that gap? So that is really what my work is designed to do. So people are interested in engaging. Um, they can go to moneyalignmentacademy.com and there's courses that they can take and different opportunities to engage with me. And there's coaching opportunities and all that kind of good stuff. So that is probably the best way to go. Um, if you're not sure if you need financial help, I think that the answer to the question is, do you have credit card debt that you're rolling over from month to month, which means you're using credit cards incorrectly? Celia, I know that you know, and I know that there was a time when you could run out of money, where if I spent the money in my pocket, I didn't have any more money. <laughs> I didn't have exactly. credit cards. And that's gone now. Gone are the days of being able to run out of money, because now we just have credit cards. And that's yeah. crushing us. It's crushing everybody. It crushed me for my 20s. I was putting everything on credit cards and rolling it over and paying 20% interest on vodka sodas from happy hour from five years ago, kind of a thing. Totally stupid. So I've been there, gotten out of debt. That's really the most important thing. So the last thing that you want is to pass on that habit to your kids because they need to know that they can run out of money and they need to be able to manage their finances well and correctly. So if you're in credit card debt, I've got a get out of debt class. It's actually called get out of debt and it's free on my website. So I encourage you go to the website, just download the course. It's, or it's, it's not even a download. You just go in there, you'll get access to it. You can take the course and put a plan together for getting out of credit card debt. Now, if I can leave people with that, that's the greatest gift that you're going to be able to give to yourself, but also to your kids also. I love that. And, you know, the only people getting rich on credit cards are the banks. They yep. created a really great way to get a lot of money years ago, and that is interest rates and credit cards. So you're making all those banks who are already rich, richer. So you mentioned Bitcoin real quick, and I don't want to go on forever, but 
Is Bitcoin good or bad? <laughs> well, I mean, fundamentally, nothing is either good nor bad. Divorce is not good or bad. Marriage is not good or bad. <laughs> sort of a very, uh, very. I don't even uh, like the word bad. I should have said not so good. <laughs> a very Buddhist way to sort of think about things, but it's not. I don't. I don't have any idea. I mean, I, I've had so many conversations about crypto assets over the past several years, and I went from zero miles an hour to about eight miles an hour. I didn't go from zero to 60. Um, I think that, that Bitcoin, it could go to a million dollars of Bitcoin, but I also, th I also think it could go to zero. So I have no idea. Um, I think it's so exciting, and we're probably going to look back on it and say, wow, this was, this was one of the largest, uh, biggest changes that that. Um, has happened in sort of recent or modern history. So I think that, that yes, if you're curious about it, there's no reason to not open up a wallet or some kind and buy some Bitcoin. Just know that, that you need to have all of your ducks in a row and to have the core of your portfolio all set up. And then by all means, you know, if you've got extra money that you're interested in putting into it, do it. I mean, it doesn't really matter uh, what, what, what day it is. I know that Bitcoin went up a lot today within the past six months, it went down a lot and it's going to keep doing that. Um, so it's, it's fascinating. Bitcoin is both the way to pay for something, but it's also an entire new financial system through the blockchain. So is it going to be there? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be there. What's the actual value of it going to be? I have zero idea. So it's like an investment thing. Like a I think it's a, it's 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 a speculation it right spent. now. It is without yeah. So so Bitcoin right now is a speculative investment, and you will own it. From a tax perspective, it's treated as property. That is how that works. You pay capital gains on the on 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 gains and losses. And yes, you're going to see more and more opportunities to be able to actually buy things with it. So, but it's it's it is a lot. Um, but at this point in time. Um, I'm extremely comfortable saying that it's a very speculative investment, but one that I own. So you don't have to go and buy a full Bitcoin, which trades around between thirty and sixty thousand dollars for one. Um, you can buy fractions of it. So that just means you can buy small pieces, just like you can buy small pieces of fractions of Amazon stock or Google stock and things like that these days. So so interesting. I know there's there's so much that people can do. But I think the big message is be wise about it. Just don't throw yourself into something because someone said, oh, you should buy this or you should do this. Learn, learn what you don't know because we don't know what we don't know. Also remember all the philanthropy that comes in the world and that philanthropy comes from people with money. So yes, I'm sure there's a lot of scumbags in the world that have money, just like there are a lot of scumbags in the world that don't have money. but there's a lot of great done in the world by people that have money. So they're not evil. They're just people with money. Yeah. Good or bad. Totally agree. <laughs> good or think, not so good. I said bad yeah. so many times and I don't even like to say bad. Well, you know, I was George, just thinking about that. People yeah. say that you shouldn't say should. And I, I completely disagree with that. I think that I should do lots of things and other people should do lots of things also. And so things are bad, then, then, then call them bad. <laughs> I think helping for, for, for you and I to figure out what we believe to be true and to do our own thinking about Bitcoin or money and our kids, that is the work that we need to be doing um, from my perspective. So take the time to your point, 
do, do your own thinking about these things. Just because you heard on CNN or Fox or wherever you get your news that something is good or bad, well, you figure it out for yourself. Yes, and do what's right for you. You know, be willing to learn, be willing to educate yourself, be willing to form your own opinion from that education and understand that people can agree with you and, or disagree with you and you can still go on with your life. Amen. So, <laughs> a big message that needs to be heard around the world right now. Yes. Well, George, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. I love talking to you. And uh, it's it's such an important message that so many people avoid, unfortunately. And then they get into trouble because they're just not willing to learn. So reach out, guys. If you need help with money, if you're like, you know what, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of never, you know, being able to get something because I don't have the money or always saying to my kids, sorry, we don't have the money because that also puts them in a very, in, in a mindset of scarcity. They grow up living. I'm never going to have the money. I'm never going to have the money. And that's not what we want to pass on to our children. So thank you, George, for being here. Any one last tip you want to give? I know you kind of gave that really good tip before, but is there any one last thing you want to tell our listeners? I really appreciate you having me. And uh, I know that you talk a lot about it. It's, it's, this is not a game of perfect. Money is not a game of perfect. Talking to your kids about money is not a game of perfect. Just being intentional and, 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 and doing your best. That's what, that's, that's what it's all about. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. And listen also to George's podcast, the Lifeblood podcast. A lot of intelligent stuff to learn from there. I will get all the links so you can reach out to George will be in my description. Absolutely, guys. As I always say, asking for help on something that you don't feel strong with is a sign of strength, a sign of absolute courage and, and goodness and growth. It's not weakness. It's weakness to just continue the way you're continuing, not knowing or giving yourself any direction. So reach out, reach out. George, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. And to all our listeners, as always, I wish you days filled with peace, love, and tons of laughter. Laugh while you're talking about money. Things are funny. So laugh more. And I'll see you here next time on the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast and being a part of my mission to stop a million parents from yelling at their kids. Be sure to head over to pumpeduppparenting.com and grab your free copy of the Patient's Playbook. Wishing there was a manual for your toddler? Well, great news. Now there is. Pick up your copy of Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills, and Stop Yelling at Your Kids, plus my three new children's books at celiasbooks.com. That's celiasbooks.com. If you're loving this podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and pay it forward. And also leave a review so I know who you are and can thank you personally. Tune in next time for more tips, advice, and strategies as you continue to pump up your parenting and create childhoods that everyone in your family can blossom from. Have yourself a really happy, fun day. Bye-bye.